0: money had gone to the estate and, you know, by the time the fees were paid and, you know, taxes, there was none left for the beneficiary. So yeah. that's very common. This is not just this scenario, but that's that's very common. So what happened in this situation was this beneficiary had to turn around and sell the loved one's house now in order right. to pay for the rest of the taxes and fees that were owing. Um, and it was devastating. It was devastating for that person as they were telling me this this story.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Denton's. We are the largest law firm in the world with offices in more than 200 locations across 80 countries available to support you everywhere you do business. We are a law firm that embraces change and can help you grow, protect, operate, and finance your organization, which is why Dentons is organized to offer more than just legal insight. We're here to help you find business solutions in a seamless fashion across the globe. Hi everyone, my name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today, I'm joined by Tanya Michelle, founder of TM Financial and Business Advisory. Welcome, Tanya. Hello, and thank you for having me. Of course, thanks for being here. To set the stage, can you give our listeners a little bit of background
0: about yourself? For sure. I'm a mom, and um, I have four children. I'm an, yeah busy lady. I'm an yeah. entrepreneur, so I own and uh, operate TM Financial. I stayed at home for quite some time to raise my children and then later on became a career woman. One of the things here is um, it, was a, it was a bit of an adjustment jumping in from, you know, being that soccer mom and running all these kids around to full-time career and helping empower other women. Big jump. Yes. Big jump. Yes. Tell me, tell me what led you to do that. Why did you decide to make that big jump? You know, um, one of the things was to, as my kids were growing, was one of the things that I always wanted to teach them was um, to help others, help others, look out for people. You know, if there's a child crying on the field in the soccer, you know, go sit with that person, go find out what's wrong. And one of the, my biggest things was just to help people. I really wanted to reach out and make a difference in people's lives, whether it be the brokers that are working with me, whether it be my clients. I just wanted to make a difference. So, I found, um, I was sitting in a meeting with insurance and I, it was just, this light switch went off Heather, it was like, aha, this was my aha moment and I knew that this career was definitely for me. I got lucky wow. that way.
1: That's a great fit. I think, I think lots of people have that, but many people don't. So I think when that happens, uh, yeah, you you feel very blessed to, to be in that position. Tell me a little bit more about TM Financial and Business Advisory and, and what it does. So you obviously have the capacity to, you know, to help people and to work with them. And you, you said that, you know, that's your real passion. But, but tell me a little bit more specifically what that means and the type of client that you help and, and how you do that.
0: Sure. So I'll just kind of do a little history here. When I first started, I started out just doing family life insurance. So helping just, you know, family coming in, looking for some insurance, you know, whether it be mortgage or just to protect their loved ones. Um, And as I got going, my clientele kind of expanded I found myself literally doing corporate insurance, um, large policies, the wealth side, protecting money from the estate um but yet still in all of this i still had clients you know from the family side still coming in and saying hey you know we need insurance so there's one of me and only one of me yeah. <laughs> like that and uh, so i brought on some brokers to give me a hand in that area so i guess my my um role i want to say is um helping the, the brokers come in and you know navigate on the family insurance side um, but also, I've taken on the role now of corporate insurance, buy sell agreements, uh, estate planning, um, and wealth management. That's kind of the role that I've fallen into. Um, and, and I love it. It's absolutely something that, like, I wake up each day and I'm ready for work. Like, I, it's one of those jobs where I show up, you know, that say you got to show up. I show up every day for it. I love it. Even on a Monday? Even on a Monday, Heather, even on a Monday.
1: That is the mark of a, you know, a true, truly passionate person is even on a Monday when they're, you know, jumping out of bed and and ready to help. So that's, uh, that's great. So obviously on the family side, you know, people's families are are their families, but on the corporate side, when you said that you have gotten a little bit more into the corporate side and protecting the wealth in the. know in the in the companies is there particular industries that you work with or or is it really you know all industries uh, that you can help on the on the corporate side and and with that planning and that protect protection
0: for sure all industries um you know i i I have a lot of farms that come to me yeah um, but it seems more as i'm expanding and you know as the as my name gets out there and you know referrals come in you know it's expanding onto different um different industries which is which is great it it's gives me a bit of a learning curve you know because no industry is you know or no no industry is the same like farming is not going to be the same as an accounting office so yeah, it's always of course. A bit of, yeah and it's always a bit of a different twist on these things so it always keeps it really interesting and i'm actually um, excited because, you know, the more that I do and the more that I've, you know, the more I can learn, the better it is for my clients in the long run, just being versed within those different industries. Um, right. yeah, it's, it's something that I've actually, you know, some people pick a niche, I want to say, and they want to stay within that kind of niche. I haven't really done that other than, Corporate's kind of a niche in itself. Estate planning is a niche in itself, right? Protecting that money is all kind of that whole bubble. I want to say is a niche within itself.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, for sure. For sure. And I think you know the the thing you said. You know, you you have a lot of clients who are kind of in that farming industry, and, and there's some nuance, of course, to, to farming. Just like there's some nuance to you know insurance brokerages, for example, or the practice of law, or car dealerships, right? Like there's nuances within sort of the the industries, but I think. And I think that the more you see of different types of, of you know, industries, different types of businesses, the more that you start to, number one, realize what the nuance is in a particular industry, like farming, for example, but also how those principles can be applicable. So just because you've done some planning in one industry doesn't mean that those principles, maybe there's some nuance to it, but those principles will probably replicate uh, in, in other industries as well. And so you're right. I think that the more exposure, the better the, the benefit. I think a well-rounded advisor is certainly better for a client than, than one who, uh, who isn't as well-rounded.
0: That's right. The bits and pieces of kind of the foundation, I want to say, are all basically the yeah. same. Right? In most things, it's always kind of the same, but a bit of a twist, I call it. Yeah. So that, that's nice too. Like it's, it's not like it's going to be new and wild every time you open a new case. Right,
1: right, right. For sure. For sure. I work a lot with with entrepreneurs. And one of the things, so it's sometimes it's a bit of a struggle to get them to think about the future because they're so focused on their business today and what, you know, what their challenges are today. And so the thoughts sometimes about succession planning are kind of, you know, in the future and they want to delay thinking about those because they just don't have the bandwidth to to think about that now. But I'm sure that you, you, as well as I, have seen situations where people have put off that planning or put off that estate or that succession planning from a corporate perspective or from a personal perspective, and then life, you know, throws you something unexpected, and they end up in this situation where they ought to have thought about their estate or their succession planning before now, and now they're, you know, faced with a situation where perhaps their options is, options are more limited or, you know, think they don't have as many... Uh, tools available to them. Do you have any, you know, do you have any scenarios or can you give us any examples of, of real life stories where maybe the planning was a little bit too late and what the effect was for the entrepreneur or for the company by not having thought of it soon enough?
0: I can, I can give you brief scenarios. Um, yeah. so one of them was um, on the estate side not so much corporate here, but you know, on the state side, we had a, a person pass away, and they're, you know, they tried to do everything by the book, but they just kind of was short the market a little bit here, you know, yeah. fall short. <laughs> we just spoke of um, money had gone to the estate, and you know, by the time the fees were paid and you know, taxes, there was none left for the beneficiary. So that's very common this is not just this scenario but that's that's very common so what happened in this situation was this beneficiary had to turn around and sell the loved one's house now in order to pay for the rest of the taxes and fees that were owing um and it was devastating it was devastating Mm -hmm. for that person as they were telling me this this story um you, you know, they were crying, they're visibly still upset. It had happened, oh, I think it was six months before she had even spoke to me. Um, yeah. So that person had come to me and, you know, just wanted to share this, what had happened. So this is so common, you know, this uh, planning is crucial. And I find this, um, these stories we hear, and I'm sure you have many to share for yourself, but these stories that you hear that come to, come to me, you know, they're so impactful. And mm-hmm. it kind of seals the deal of why I do what I do every single day. Like, this is why I want to do what I do. Yeah, of
1: course, of course. And, and, and you know, they're, they're, some of them are really heart-wrenching stories. So in, in that example, and I realize, you know, you know, you may not be able to talk about specifics, which is fine, but if somebody had come to you before that, so let's say they'd come to you like, you know, two or three years before that, what kind of products or services could you have at least discussed with them that would have eased some of that, you know, tax burden on the date of death that arose in the liability that then triggered the need for the executor or the loved ones um, to, you know, to sell the assets, to sell the family home to satisfy those liabilities. Like what kind of planning could have been put in place to to solve that?
0: You know, um, right away, obviously, a really good solid will um, right off the hop. So of everybody needs a good, solid will. Absolutely. And from a proper estate planning lawyer, you know, right. That, that's the first thing I always check with clients. Do you have a will? <laughs> yep. That is number one. Um, for, you know, then I look at the, their assets and wealth and, you know, what we need to do here. So again, there's a foundation, but there's various pieces. So if people have, um, wealth, and I always suggest a segregated fund. It bypasses the estate, the ability to bypass the probate, and it goes right towards the beneficiaries. Um, so that's kind of step two. Again, I look at the assets, and from there we, we, um, uh, how, I'll give an example. Some people want to, you know, they have acquired land and assets to pass on to their children. Others don't do that. They want to pass, you know, they just, they want to sell it. Um, so, you know, we come up with that plan at the end and then from there, you know, I, again, recommend them to the estate lawyer to help with a family trust or whatever might be, whatever type of plan we can mitigate here to right. help um, right. in every scenario, as you know, is different, but that's kind right. of the base of it. I, I pick everything apart and I look to see what they want and what they want to happen.
1: Right. With, with what they have and what, what sort of, you know, assets they, yeah. And what
0: else? So if there is a you know a, um, uh, a place for insurance in there for final expenses, so you know within a trust or within a corporation or a buy sell agreement, even you know, so no one's left holding this huge bill. That's where the insurance comes in, you know, to mitigate this risk, this this bill. Right. That is right. going to come, and it's not if it's going to come, or you know, right. might maybe it's it's going to happen.
1: and in the context of a of a corporation so you talked a little bit you touched a little bit on a buy sell so let's say that you know there's two individuals two business partners and they own the company 50 50 and you know one one guy one guy dies the company still continues to live and so having um assets owned in a corporation as to as compared to owned personally, that of course can uh, take some of that stress off of the family of the deceased because the corporation can continue as long as the business partners have as amongst themselves enabled the business to be able to carry on in the absence of, you know, of one or or the other. And so I think I think that's also a really important part of the conversation where an individual also owns a business and particularly if they have business partners Um, Because that's one of the reasons, a very strong reason for why, you know, you have a partnership agreement or a shareholder agreement to really talk about those events and what will happen to the corporate assets, you know, once one one or more of them passes away.
0: another nice thing to, to word it, and I'm not sure if this is very correct, but oftentimes you need to ask these, you know, these owners that are coming in, do you want to do business with that person's spouse? Yeah, you know, of course. You yeah. know, like or whoever's next in line. There, nine times out of ten, the answer is no. Of course. <laughs> you know, you eliminate this person. So you know, these are some very real angles that need to be thought of. And I find that are really missed over, skipped over, um, yeah. or I hear you know, oh, well, the business can sustain itself until something happens, and again right? They're faced with this reality in front of them. And, and yeah, it's, it's a big slap almost.
1: Yeah, for sure. And yet, you know, the other question is, yeah, yeah. Do you want to do business with, with somebody's spouse? Probably not. That's, that's not why you signed up to do business. But, but also, you know, the question that I ask entrepreneurs is, so, so maybe you don't want to do business with the spouse, but now you're forced to, but is the spouse even capable of running the business? Because in many cases, the spouse might have their own jobs, their own interests, their own businesses, and not have the, the skill set to be able to pick up from, you know, from the dead guy, uh, what he or she carried on in, in the business. And so not only is it a question of, do you want to be in business with somebody's spouse, but are they even capable um, of of actually running that business, which which is a whole other question too. And often the answer to that one or both of those questions is no. And so it then I think frames for the entrepreneur, hmm, well, this that plan might not be the best one because I've just said no to, I don't wanna be in business with my partner's spouse and I don't think the spouse knows how to do it. And so then it starts to become, I think, a little bit more real for them in terms of what what other options are available. And then they can at least start thinking through what the available options are
0: yeah and and so you know when it comes down to that crunch at the final you know when they're trying to deal with this when it's too late that's when those options are really limited right and that's in the kind of that cold harsh reality is coming down the pipe really fast where you can't really shut that off i guess that train is you know coming down that hill fast
1: (laughs) yeah yeah for sure for sure i want to just raise the the question or, or raise the point with you that from a corporate perspective so if the if if you went out and bought insurance in the corporation's name, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is deductible as an expense from the corporate perspective because the corporation is meant to be the intended beneficiary of that policy upon you know upon death of, of the, the insured life. Is that correct?
0: A portion of it would be, yes. And yeah. that would be on to on the um the accountant to look at the tax accountant. And it's right. actually the the net cost of insurance, the pure cost of the, the net, sorry, the net cost of pure insurance. Does that come out right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think yeah. I understand what you mean. Yeah. So that would actually be what it would be uh, deducted.
1: I think that's an important point because I, I think many people don't know that. And so when they're weighing in their mind, the, you know, the cost and the benefit of, of obtaining uh, ins- life insurance or corporate insurance, um, I think that that's something that, Many people don't necessarily know um, without a little bit of guidance on that point.
0: I like to broach clients: um, the cost of of upfront now is, you know, outweighs the benefits. Huge of the cost later. The cost later is is great. It's not even just great. You know, in some cases, it's it's devastating. It's tragic. Oh, of Um, course. You know so upfront cost is very little and again it's, it's showing that big picture that big picture is crucial
1: yeah of course and i think you know one one thing that's really important to keep in mind is that for entrepreneurs often their wealth and their identity is completely tied up in the business that they've built and so if their business isn't protected from these kinds of events that's really the single biggest way to lose value for your family and for your, you know, for your estate is by not taking the steps to really protect your corporate assets, where that could be where the, the vast majority of your wealth uh, resides.
0: It's definitely a different mindset and something that you have to almost think outside the box a little bit, yeah. you know, future thinking. You're right. Everybody's very much, you know, entrepreneurs are are tied up in their businesses, and that does become their identity. And and I get that. You know, starting out as an entrepreneur myself, you know, entrepreneur trying to be, um, you know, what we're gonna do, how you're gonna establish this business, making it go. You know, that's something that you just don't think about. It's not like you wake up, oh, I got a state plan today. That's not the case. You're up, you know, hustling first thing in the morning putting this plan you know together to make this go so uh, and I understand it and I understand where they are coming from yeah for
1: sure and I think I think that that raises the the question or the sort of the appropriateness of as an advisor you know when you meet with your clients and you're talking to them about their day-to-day and also what their plan is their longer-term plan and as you say, you know, you always ask, you always start by asking whether they have a good will and whether their estate from a personal perspective is, is kind of in good shape. I think that one of the, the, the things that, that as professionals we should do a better job of is making sure that we've looped in the other professionals. So whether that's, you know, the, the advisors the, on the insurance side, on the accounting side, on the legal side because the plan that they put together for you know for, for succession planning in their business for example there are tax consequences and there are other consequences and i think that when one advisor raises the issue i think it's really good to make sure that the plan works from the perspective of all of the advisors so that you know when the, the day comes where that event that we're planning for occurs everybody's in the loop in terms of what the intended consequences is and, and how that's going to be realized. And so I think it's really smart when, I always appreciate it when, you know, clients say to me, oh yeah, you know, I've talked to my accountant and maybe we should have a call and maybe we should, you know, get the insurance people involved as well and make sure that we're all on the same page and that the plan that we have actually works from a tax perspective or from, you know, an estate planning perspective. And I, I think that's one area where people can tend to get a bit siloed and not necessarily think about that big picture. So there's the big picture for the individual, but that I think really needs to tie into all of the professionals who are supporting that individual or that company.
0: I wholly agree wholeheartedly. I think as a team, what value and how nice is that to offer to the clients, you know, that you're not working on a one man show, but you've got a full team backing you. I love being able to offer that. Yeah, um, you know, that security that it offers that client is, you, you can't put a price on that. You know, we've got you covered. I, I really right. agree with you highly in that area. I just, yeah, I can't say enough about that.
1: I think that, you know, there's those opportunities for, you know, for, for thinking about costs and thinking about the deductibility of expenses and making sure that that just doesn't get lost in the in the shuffle. Um, and that there's, you know, you're you're minimizing taxes because that's what we all want to do, and you're maximizing the leverage. That the solution, the ultimate plan, the ultimate solution, leverage what it what it actually can do now and in the future as well.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think, like I said, I I just want to go back to that um, main point. There, um, I want to elaborate a little bit on that. If I didn't have you know, that team in place, mm-hmm. I don't know how effective I would be, Heather, at my job. Yeah, you know, being I agree. Able to bring these, this, this, cause it's not my scope of practice, right? So being able to bring in these other people, um, you know, that are, are, are educated in different areas that I am, like that just only lets me do my job even better and stronger and build a, you know, a solid plan for these, for my clients. Um, because I have backing and because there's extra knowledge in there that I just don't have.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a, I think it's a really important point and, and
0: often overlooked. Yes, I definitely agree. And I see that. (laughs) And I'm sure you see that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people coming in and saying we have such and such a, you know, product, and it's not exactly what they thought it was, or it wasn't set up correctly. Right. Um, There's so many different scenarios. So yes,
1: and they, that create that scenario where you know they say, oh yeah, we have insurance, but they don't, or it's not in the right entity, or it's not you know for the right person. Uh, so much more difficult to try to fix after the fact, and usually so much more expensive um, to try to retrofit to you know to the plan where where they thought again, as you say, they thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were setting this up in a way that was going to help them, but you know the insurance, for example, is in the wrong name or or whatever the case is, and then it's it's a bunch of hoops to jump through to, you know, to, to try to fix it.
0: We, I've seen that. I've seen that more than once, you know, yeah. or they come in thinking they've had a product and they don't have that particularly product yeah. and, you know, it's not set up exactly how they thought it was and there's a health issue, you know, later. Right. So yeah. that's another, that's another um, factor to consider health issue and, and, uh, you know, can they get insurance now or yeah. do we, to do a major conversion right so that's happened as well that's been something that, that's landed on my desk a few times
1: oh of course and and as we all get older you know people develop health conditions as they age and so the availability of of insurance you know either becomes cost prohibitive or it's just not it's simply not available and so that's another reason why not waiting until those health conditions have caught up with you uh, to start that conversation i think is is really important
0: True. And yet in my industry too. So, because, you know, I have so many different companies at our disposal, um, you know, we often have have somebody thinking that they can't have insurance. This is the other scenario that I find people come in like, I can't get insurance. I've been declined. You know, this is my health issue. Um, Can I get insurance? You know, there's kind of a last, last ditch effort I want to say. And oftentimes we can we can yeah. get insurance. There may be different parameters around it, maybe not as much, but something is better than nothing. And nine times oh, of out course. of 10, we can. So, right. you know, a lot of that's that's uh something else that I've encountered is people thinking, yeah, I, I can't get insurance and just assuming, but yeah, for sure, you know, they, they can get
1: insurance yeah, and it just requires me a little bit more diligence and maybe some you know some other doors to be open for them that uh, that they didn't know about.
0: Yeah, um there's there's several ways to skin a cat, you know, yeah. so we've had insurance um, people saying, well, I can't get life insurance and and legit, they cannot get life insurance, but they've got you know several. Uh, they have a bunch of wealth in the bank or in an investment, you know, we can move that to a segregated fund and, and you, we could use that as a form of life insurance. You right. know, there's so many ways to do it. Um, that was, again, kind of goes back to thinking outside that box, right. Trying to, trying to get that um, get what that client needs without breaking the bank and having it, you know, an appropriate time factor as well.
1: Well, and also also really understanding what their goal is, like really understanding
0: what purpose,
1: like what's the purpose for which we're trying to get the insurance and, you know, could that be obtained in, in a different product or using a different tool? And so I think that really goes to understanding the bigger goals and, and objectives of the client and then trying to, as you say, think outside the box and trying to craft a solution that, that actually accomplishes those goals. Yeah, I, th-
0: I think when clients come to me, you know, and they have, uh, I kind of get a 50-50. I get pretty much this is what we want. This is, you know, they know exactly how they want it structured, set up, what, what has to be done. And then yep. I get another side of the fence where crickets. Like we have no idea. <laughs> we don't yeah. know what to do, how to go, <laughs> where we're going to structure this. We don't even know the amount. So of course. And that's a big mix too. We get quite the variety. I would have to say it's about 50-50 down that.
1: But it's all good, right? It's all in a day's work. And that's what keeps it interesting for you. And the, uh, you know, the possibility of those conversations to expand the, the breadth of the client's knowledge and for you to come up
0: with a plan that works for them. Again, I absolutely love my job. Like I just that's can't great. say enough. I'm sitting here with a big smile on my face, even just talking to you about it. Because I get great. so excited about it. How do our listeners find out more about you and what you do where can they find out more about uh, tm financial and business advisory i have a website so you can go to tmfinancial.org yeah. um my my website's um it's up and running right now we are going to currently update it again and i have to say that because as i expand i keep having to update it. so that's, it's that's good You know, I I started and I'm like, oh, it looks great. Let's run with this. And then, you know, another six, eight months. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) We have to update it to reflect on what I do. So yeah, uh, tmfinancial.org, all my contacts infos there. It kind of gives a blurb of a bunch of different areas that we do, um, and they're quite informative. So if anybody wants to go there and take a peek, that would uh, that'd be pretty neat actually i think great.
1: that that's great well thank you so much for taking time to tell us a bit more about what you do today it was fun well thank you thank you for having me thank you for joining the podcast today if you like the podcast don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update